0: Jen Cooper, the keeper here, ready for the next episode of the Mixed Zone Women's Soccer Podcast. This is episode number 320. That number will look to the Pacific Northwest because back in the inaugural season of NWSL in 2013, the average attendance for the Portland Thorns home games was 13,320, the highest in the league. In 2019, the last season, the last NWCL season with quote normal attendance, the Thorns averaged more than 20,000 fans per game, the first women's professional club in the world to do so for regular season play. So, of course, two Pacific Northwest chats this week. First, I spoke with Caitlin Best from Rose City Review. Caitlin got me all caught up with Portland Thorns as they head into. Uh, Challenge Cup 2021 kicking off next week. And then I spoke with Jacob Cristobal of Sounder at Heart. Uh, the Rain, they don't play the first week, they start the second week. So we talked to OL Rain, for Ben Stiti's second season, you know, player of movements, etc. And in between those two chats, of course, is a Jen Spoiner segment. This week's segment is about how to watch the Challenge Cup. Sounds easy, should be easy, it's mostly easy, uh, with just a few catches, so be sure to listen to the Gen segment. And be sure you are following me on Twitter at keepernotes and at mixzone. And as always, there's two X's in Mixone. All right. Jen Cooper, the keeper here with Caitlin best editor of the Rose city review. And yeah, of course that's out of Portland, Caitlin, you got, you got to get me caught up with Portland. Um, it, it just seems like these, these off seasons last forever. And so this time of year, I'm always like, wait, let me look at my rosters again. Who who's playing where, who's moved, who's retired, who's been signed. And what struck me when I looked at Portland's, I was like, it's not a lot of change. Mm-mm. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, I this is what I would say is there hasn't been a lot of change, but there have been some big changes, um, the ones that have happened. Uh, That's a good way to say it. Yeah. So obviously the, the sort of two, the two really big changes, obviously, are Tobin Heath leaving and then Crystal Dunn coming in, which is like, <laughs> yeah. Star power they're, for they're star not, power. <laughs> not room in terms of like what my heart can take um, for too much more change than that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, and and the Crystal Dunn thing—it's so funny. It seems like she's been with the Thorns for a long time, right? But no, that was an off-season move, yes. and so we still haven't seen it. I know, right? Like, like I, right. the, it the only thing longer—it feels like longer, like, feels like longer than off-season—is um, <laughs> the pandemic, right? Right. O- only quarantine is longer than the, the off right. season.
1: <laughs> well, and, and, it's, and what's especially weird about this, you know, the Thorns play a game in just over a week as we're recording this. And the, the, what's especially weird about this season for me is just that they've had this super long preseason and we have not been able to watch any of it. <laughs> right. We haven't been able to go to trainings. There's been no games um, that people have been able to attend or that they've streamed or anything. So like the season is about to happen and I am kind of just going in totally blind just with, you know, we've, we've talked to Mark a few times, we've talked to a couple of players, but it's, it's like, we're all in the dark. Um, so it's even, even more than usual. I think it's uh, it's felt like a long off season and a very abrupt start that's about to happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and and now that you say that, it's like a little over a week. It's like, oh my god, it is. It's a it is. Over week. Yeah, it's April. It's April. The Challenge Cup kicks off in April. Yeah. <laughs> well, overall, what are what's your feeling? You know, the blindness aside, from the momentum of Portland following. A challenging cup, uh, you know, pun intended la- last <laughs> summer, but with some incredible performances, right? Yeah. And then, you know, winning the fall series, you know, falling again with, you know, Christine Sinclair breaks out with six goals. Eckerstrom has an amazing performance. Rocky Rodriguez gets her first goal. like mm. like we're we're seeing Portland firing on on all cylinders, right? Yep. So, so do you think they still have that momentum or, you know, what, what do you think is going to happen in that? First yeah, game? I think, I think, yes, I think,
1: um, I obviously I'm based in Portland, so there's some degree of bias probably in anything I say, but I, I don't, I think it's pretty reasonable to say that this is hands down. Like people are expecting this to be the top team in the league this season. And, um, I, yeah, I I think, I mean, momentum is a weird thing (laughs) because who, who in this world has any momentum, um, (laughs) at all. (laughs) Right. But I, I think that this is going to be a really good team. Um, and I think like, you know, we saw in the sort of two little stints of play that we got last year, we saw how deep the roster is. Um, and we saw obviously what, Christine Sinclair and what Lindsay Horan are still capable of. And we saw what Sophia Smith is capable of. Um, And then you have Crystal Dunn coming into the mix and it's like, well, okay. (laughs) Um, like That's hard to, I I just think top to bottom, it's it's easily the best roster in the league. I don't think anybody else can really challenge that.
0: Especially when you have um, very few new names. Right. um, And that we did get to see the players that you wouldn't normally see a lot to play get significant time in the fall series and challenge. Mm-hmm. Cup. You know, we, we got to see, you know, yeah, there's a reason crystal, Christian Westfall was a top three pick. Right. In the 2016 draft, you know, see some, some really good play from um, Kelly Hubley and Simone mm-hmm. Charlie was on yep. fire. And, yep. you know, so it's, it's like, Hey, there's, there's a whole base there yeah. that can support the names that everybody knows, like you right. know Becky Sauerbrunn, Lindsay Horan, Rocky Rodriguez, um, but I wonder because this roster seems to be kind of lean, you know, what happens midsummer when Sinclair goes off with Canada for the Olympics? You got the US players going. Yeah, I thankfully um, um, Rocky's not Rocky's not going to the Olympics, so you'll still have you know, and right. and that's the brilliance of signing Natalia Kueka, right? Mm, like, yep, exactly. Finland's not going Finish. to the Olympics.
1: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I this is this is kind of the perennial question for the Thorns, or not perennial, but every you know three and four years, um, we get the Olympics and the World Cup, and typically the Thorns have, have always had a lot of allocated players, so this is always what people are talking about. I think going into those seasons, but I. Honestly, the way they handled the World Cup in 2019, I was really impressed. Um, I thought that all those players sort of further down the roster that came off the bench did really well. And uh, you know, it it was not the it was not the sort of star-studded like uh you know offensive powerhouse that they maybe wanna be when they're at their at their best, but um they gutted it out when they were down those players and and got a really solid string of results, especially for the, um, you know, the group of players that were on the field. Um, and then I think, like I said, during the, like I said, and like you said, during the challenge cup and during the fall series, we saw players like Kelly Hubley and, um, Simone Charlie, I think everybody was really impressed by, um, stepping up. And, and so I think that this, this team, you know, even this team that we're going to have, uh, when all the allocated players are, are missing, is if anything better than the 2019 team um, that they, they played with during the World Cup. And another thing is that for these first couple games of the Challenge Cup, they're going to kind of get a dry run at that because um, the U.S. and Canada have those friendlies. And so they're going to be fielding, you know, right. a depleted lineup to right. start with. So I honestly, I think Mark Parsons has handled these, these breaks really well in the past. And I think that they're going to be able to get through it just fine.
0: Well, and the longer the league goes on, right, the more um, experience, you know, fans have, coaches have, the league has. So, you know, you think about the 2016 Olympics, they made the decision to just, you know, go dark for a month. But of course, it was uh, just a 20 game season. Mm -hmm. Um, So now it's a it's a 24 game season. They're trying to spread it out and, you know, not schedule games on FIFA breaks, you know, other than cup. So they're not going dark. For, for the Olympics, right? So, yeah. so players might be missing um, for a slightly longer stretch relative to 2016. But mm. by the same token, you now have larger rosters. You know, you can have up to 26 players signed. So you don't necessarily have some poor training player who's right. being offered nothing other than maybe right. a bed uh, to stick around to get that two-week contract, right? right. Like you've got those supplemental players that are be, can be told now, like, hey, you will be seeing a lot of minutes in July and August because yeah. we, we will need you. It's not a maybe. It's a no. We we will need you. And especially with more expansion on the horizon, those players know, um, similar to last fall, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I felt the value of the fall series was, hey, expansion draft is coming up. These people are playing for to stay with their teams or playing to audition for a new team or just, right. you know, up their contract. So... Yeah, I'm I'm going to be really intrigued to see how this Olympic cycle plays out uh compared to last time, you know, when the when the league did go dark. And I'm kind of glad that they decided to just play through it so that they wouldn't have to backload the schedule in such mm-hmm. a way that Everybody comes back in the Olympics, and then you have three games in eight days, right? Because they have right. to have those miserable to like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So this, this I, th- I think, this is a you know a better kind of thing. And then, of course, from a coach's perspective, especially Mark Parsons, who's been part of the league since the beginning, you know, all those all those lessons learned of like this worked better than that, or mm-hmm. I don't need as many players. I mean. One of the things I heard from several coaches after Challenge Cup was um, regretting that they had taken as many players as they did to Cup, right? Because you Mm -hmm. could take up to 28, but when you know that only... 11 plus five are going to see the field. That's still 12 people that are getting no playing time Mm -hmm. in the game, right? And sure, you can rotate rosters, but you're only going to rotate so much, right? So you're stuck with uh, uh, an extra large bench of players who are chomping at the bit to like, I want to play or can you trade me or maybe I should go to Europe and there's all this COVID thing. Yeah, yeah, you know, so it's um, that's why the Portland roster really stands out to me as here's an incredibly strong core. So maybe you just need, you know, a little bit to, to supplement it, you know, during, during that Olympic window.
1: Right. And, and as I, Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go, no, you go ahead. I was just going to cut in and mention that, um, you know, they're, they're, they're getting to uh, two of their draftees. Um, I believe, gosh, I probably have this wrong. I believe Sam Coffey, and amira ali are coming in midseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, I cu- I could have that wrong, but two of the four players that they drafted are coming in midseason. Um and then the other two won't be available until next January because they're they're playing their they'll play their um, fall their college season. season. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and it's funny to say to ma- say midseason when college cup, you know, goes ends mid-May, you know, so a player will be done with college and college soccer, you know, right by mid-May. So even if they report June, because of how we've shifted the schedule, mm-hmm. you know, in a way, they're not getting half the season; they're getting right. potentially two-thirds of the season, <laughs> right, which, is, right, which right. is good too, right? right? You know, so and that's why I love the having the Challenge Cup first, right? Like you were saying, it's it's a dry run for right. everybody. You get these four; they'll be intensely competitive games, but they won't count against the standings for the regular season.
1: Yeah. And by the way, I just checked. I got it exactly wrong. The players that are coming in <laughs> <laughs> the players that are coming in this spring are Yasmin Ryan and Hannah Bedford and then Amir Ali and Sam Coffey are not here until next year. So
0: Nice. <laughs> nice. Well, we and I can't it. imagine what it was like for coaches, you know, prepping for the draft to figure out, well, I like this person, but she said she's not gonna do this until this year. Right? So, you know, yeah, do I go all in for twenty twenty two or do I, you know, like split the difference right, trade right, right. those picks, you know. And then I think, too, like um, the, the trade between Portland and Houston, where Portland sent Emily Ogle and Gabby Seiler to Houston in, in return for draft picks, mm. you know, it might be a head-scratcher to some. But with Portland having both Crystal Dunn and Lindsey Horan opting out, opting out of allocation, and mm-hmm. directly with the club it's like hey there's a way to make you know budget right, there's, space, there's space on your roster right? yeah and i think without I think sacrificing the, a lot exactly and i think
1: the other thing with that move in particular is that um i i think so so if i had been uh louisville i would have taken gabby seiler so i i was assuming they'd take her too i would and i, 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 we'll I would have taken i would have taken one of the thorns keepers and gabby seiler um so I, I'm assuming that the Thorns were expecting to lose Gabby Siler, and then when they didn't, it was like, well, we've we've planned for her to be on anyway, so um, she's you know willing to go, and we're ready to let her go. So let's um, plan for the future a little bit, um, especially again yeah. with with more expansion on the horizon. You might as well kind of trade the assets that you have, um, you know, while you can still do it.
0: And, and we know how much Mark Parsons likes. Likes the draft and developmental players, and yeah. like So I'm sure he's thinking it's like, "Ooh, two picks for 2022." I know right. I get something. And
1: and by the way, the that. thorns that that this crop of four players that they got is really really good. They they get oh they, I know <laughs> they took a solid, um, they had a solid draft this year.
0: It, and it was so weird covering the draft and and you know being on the on the draft desk where it was such a larger pool of players who could be taken, mm-hmm. right? Like as we got closer to, to the wire, some coaches would tip their hand and at least let us know who we should be preparing for, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, and, and players didn't even have to officially confirm until after the draft, whether they were reporting spring, summer, right. or next year. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I liked that he picked Sam Coffey, you know, Penn state has a history of just, you know, cranking out professionals, mm-hmm. but I also like, you know, Jasmine Ryan, like out of TCU, we've only seen one player out of TCU before, but Ryan Williams has done a great job uh, yeah, in North Carolina. Yeah, and just, just from watching
1: her, some of her college games, I think that she's she's an exciting player. I'm I'm stoked to see her play for the Thorns.
0: Well, and let's talk a little bit more about the expansion draft. Like you said, I I kind of thought, you know, why wouldn't an expansion team pick Gabby Seiler? Um, right. Uh, and then... I kind of thought at least one of the the Portland keepers would be picked, yeah, by by Louisville. But yes. no, they went for the Tobin <laughs> Heath rights, um, probably thinking, "Hey, you know this the, this way, we've got something for the future to, to to trade on." Which meant that, of course, they couldn't pick yeah. anyone else from Portland. <laughs> but I was I was like, okay. I mean, Michelle Beatos is a great keeper too. But I kind of thought it's like, well. I, you had a chance to get two keepers who were top, right? And they went with, one top and one hasn't played in the league before. Uh-huh. So I was like, <laughs> okay. Um, so, and maybe we shouldn't be surprised then that, you know, Britt Eckerstrom announced her her, her retirement, but I was just like, ah, oh, such a good player. But but I think it speaks to just the challenge of being a goalkeeper, right? You don't oh, yeah, get to yeah. get little spurts of minutes. You're no. either in or you're out. And uh, depending yeah, and I, on what club you're at, you could be sitting on that bench a long time. Right. I mean, <laughs> Portland,
1: Portland's sort of Nadine Anger's little goalkeeper factory. So, (laughs) you know, (laughs) getting to play under her and developing as much as she has in the last, uh, whatever, four years that she's been here. um, Yeah. And then competing with two other, like, top, top goalkeepers in the league for playing time. um, I I think that's just got to be so frustrating. And she's, you know, I think she's 27, 28 years old. So. I think you kind of just get to a point in your life where you have, you know, developed a lot as a player. You've accomplished a lot. You know how good you are. Um, and you know that the the likelihood of you ever getting a starting spot in the in the league is just pretty slim unless you get traded
0: somewhere. Um and then it's I think a very it, similar story for Bianca Henninger um, mm-hmm. in, yeah. in Houston because she retired the previous year. Because right. and I think the kicker for her was, you know, she goes, "I could play a few more years club." She goes, "But I know that my window to play international soccer is over." Mm, so yeah. it's hard hard to keep motivating. And and I'm you know I'm sure Brit's thinking, "Hey, I, I'm never getting a look from U.S. Soccer for whatever reason." So right, you know time for I, a new life I'm still young
1: time for right. new life. and I think for her also I think she I think she's kind of weighing because you know she could get a job elsewhere she could go to Europe she could wait until right um, right there, there's an additional expansion you know she could hang on but I think that for her part of it is just that she's sort of built a life here in Portland and um, she's in a, a relationship that she's happy in and I, I kind of think that she just thought well I don't really want to leave this for you know
0: yeah Take a to be, to be else. upended yeah exactly. for something that could be worse yeah and that yeah that's the that's the challenge for for all these pro players but especially keepers I just you know because you don't the, yeah the, the coach isn't gonna go okay here play 10 minutes here 20 right. minutes there you know <laughs> um, so there's a new third keeper for Portland Shelby Hogan I mean what can you tell us about Shelby I can tell you almost nothing about Shelby because um, (laughs) as I said, we we haven't gotten to see that any
1: of these teams play. Um, So they're excited about her. Nadine likes her. So, I mean, I, I'm assuming that she's a good keeper, Um, but I honestly,
0: I have no idea. (laughs) So hopefully we'll see that in maybe, maybe in in challenge cup. And yeah, you've got, you've got some veterans that are still part of the crowd. I mean, like Angela Salem, one of the players who has played every single season of the league. And then of course Megan Klingenberg who who came into the league in twenty fourteen with Houston and then the big trade mm-hmm. uh, with Orlando expansion ended ended up sending her to Portland. You know, like maybe not the big names anymore, right? But like yeah, Salem they- had an excellent challenge cup. And yeah. the only time Kling's not on the field is when a silly yellow card accumulation rule has prevented <laughs> her from taking the field. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. They've got some, they've got some veterans, even obviously Christine Sinclair is like the veteran, but even outside of right. the sort of allocated group, they they have a lot of veterans. They have, like you said, Salem and Kling. Emily Menges now is, is definitely a veteran. Um, yeah.
0: Every season, but 2013 and yeah. all of them with Portland. Yes. Like that, that kind of, that kind of leadership when you combine that with you know, the, the veteran experience of Becky Brown and Crystal Dunn, you know, right. along with, and now Rocky Rodriguez, right? Yeah. You know, five years in the league under her belt. And we really saw things start to mesh um, in that midfield mm-hmm. during, during the fall series. Um, and then some great youngsters. I mean, we can't forget, even though it seems like a decade ago, the 2020 draft, Portland had number one and number two picks. The first time a club had one and two. You guys got Sophia Smith, Morgan Weaver, um, we didn 't get to see Smith in challenge cup but but we 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 got to see her start to bloom in in the fall series. She got a goal, and of course Morgan Weaver had that fantastic goal in the in the quarterfinal, yeah, uh, against North Carolina. So thoughts on thoughts on Smith and Weaver. I mean, we don't know if if Smith is going to end up being in that group of twenty two, the eighteen yeah. plus four alternates for the Olympics. She's kind of a, a bubble player, definitely
1: but. a bubble player. And That's one that I've. You, I'm sure you've done this too. I've I've kind of tried to to puzzle out who might be on that roster. It's so much fun to do. Yeah, it's so much fun to do, and it's also, (laughs) like, impossible. It's like, is is Sophia Smith good enough to go to the Olympics? Yes, absolutely. But is she going to? Who can say? Um, I, I... I love Sophia Smith. I think she's so much fun to watch. Um, that was, that was one of the, you know, getting to to actually physically go to a couple games during the fall series here. Um, getting to see her in person was like one of the real highlights for me. Um, and I just, uh, it's a shame that we didn't get to see her more last year. Um, but I think that she is such an exciting offensive attacking presence. I think she's so smart. Um, she can dribble. She has, you know, incredible passing vision and, and um, reads the game so well and she can score goals. Um, so I think she's just, she's a really exciting player and I think everybody is going to get to know her and, and be very impressed by her. Um, and then, yeah, Morgan Weaver, she, she, like you said, she scored that goal in the quarterfinal and she, um, she, I'm I'm told that that's not an uncommon thing for her. She switches on in, in like clutch moments. Um, and I think you could kind of see during the challenge cup that she was, she was sort of finding her footing, trying to figure out where she fit in on that attacking line for the thorns. Um, but she is going to find her feet, I think. And she's like, just attacking minded. She wants to go, wants to go for goal. um, wants to, you know, link up with whoever else is up there. Um, So she's going to be a lot of fun. I think she's going to continue to grow. Um, So, yeah, two really fun players to watch. And obviously, um, yeah, two great pickups by the Thorns in 2020, which feels like... That was a decade I know. ago. <laughs> <I know.
0: laughs> All right. Last question for you, Caitlin. Um, you got four opponents for, for cup, you know, playing in the, in the West group, which is kind of weird to, you know, consider Chicago and Houston West yeah, Kansas city, but it's, it's kind of like Eastern seaboard and, other, uh-huh. and other group. So starting off with Kansas city, then which, which like, that's a hard one. Like sure. It's mostly Utah's players, but that's a, that's yeah. a team transition. Whereas yes. then you've got, Chicago, you know, memories of the semifinal from 2019. Then Rain, you know, always a great regional rivalry, uh, though Thorns totally spanked the rain last fall. Um, and then I like that we, we've got a semifinal rematch from Challenge Club uh-huh. to close the group stage, Portland at Houston. And that could be, depending, of course, on the results of other games, that could be the game that decides who wins the group. And mm-hmm what I think is so wonderfully intense about this challenge cup is you have to win the group to make the final. There's no quarterfinal, Mm, semifinal. It's, it's all or nothing. So just last few thoughts on, on this group of opponents for challenge cup for Portland Thorns. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, as I was saying earlier, I think it's hard
1: to know what to expect, especially with Kansas city. I have no idea what to expect from them. Um, I I think that I'm going to I'm going to call a win in that first game just because like I said I think that even minus the allocated players I think that roster is really strong and they've all all those players that we we're going to expect to play in that first game um have been together for a while and I think that they can definitely get a result especially at home um
0: mm-hmm.
1: I think that the I think probably the the highlight is going to be Houston for me cuz I um that that game in the challenge cup I, I I enjoyed I thought that was a fun game I thought that those those two teams matched up in an interesting way um and yeah again no idea what form Houston's going to be in but I think that they have in the past um been able to pose a challenge to the Thorns and so I'll be interested to see how that one goes down
0: yeah, that that was you know very narrow one zero win for yeah. for Houston in that semifinal, and by May second when Houston hosts Portland, you know all of the national teamers will be back right, right. from the April window and, and and rested. So you know that could be one of the most exciting games yeah, for sure to watch. Right, so really looking forward to that. Well, Portland, um, I want you to um, mention Caitlin just. Uh, the work you do for Rose city review in case uh, any of the listeners want to subscribe uh, through Patreon for Rose city. Cause I, cause I do, and I, and I love getting club specific content. Oh, awesome. Um, especially features that like, I'm not going to h- read that anywhere else. Right. Yep, yep, so, yep. so, so let's finish off with a 20 second plug for Rose city review.
1: Yeah. So my, my current publication is Rose city review. The the URL of the site is rosecity.review. Um, and we're a Portland specific uh soccer site we do we have a couple of people doing timbers we do thorns um and yeah like you said we we try to sort of go after stories that other outlets are not going to be uh telling people stuff that people don't necessarily have their eye on um and we are supported uh on patreon um two dollars a month Gets you a subscription to see all of our work. We usually have a, a few pieces here and there that are uh, open to everybody, but our sort of reported, real, um, uh, the the hard work that we do for the site, right? Two dollars a month, um, yeah, a bargain, we, a bargain, yes.
0: And as as I like to say, put your money where your soccer is. So if, if you care about soccer, you care about the people that cover soccer and, and, and make the game happen. So, Caitlin, thank you so much for taking the time to to catch me up on Portland and remind me that it's April and <laughs> the Challenge Cup kicks off next weekend. Very yeah, exciting. Of course, Jen. Time for a little Jen's planning. this week's topic, how to watch the upcoming NWSL Challenge Cup. So if you're in the USA, you can watch the opening game between Houston and Chicago, plus three other matches live on CBS Network, and the Cup Final on May 8th will be live on CBS. All 21 matches, including those five that I just mentioned, We'll also stream live on Paramount Plus, the new and improved streaming service that used to be CBS All Access. Paramount Plus offers a free one-week trial, and their monthly plans start at just $5.99. The service is available through your Apple TV, through Amazon Prime, Hulu, and directly at the website paramountplus.com. Now, if you're in Canada, you can watch all the games on Twitch, except those four that are on CBS network, those four that are on CBS network, you will have to uh, watch on CBS network in Canada, which is available on bell five TV, Kojiko and Eastlink. And I hope I'm saying those correctly. Um, I know it can be problematic getting CBS sports network in Canada, uh, but they do have the rights to those games there. So if you can't, get to CBS Sports Network from Canada. I highly recommend investing in a VPN so you can watch on Twitch. And if you're not in Canada or the USA, then every single game will air live for you on Twitch. And every game should be available afterwards to watch on demand. Um, if you're in the USA, you can watch them on demand via Paramount+. Plus. Uh, still all of the Challenge Cup games there are there from last summer, and every CBS aired game uh, from the Fall Series is still there. So lots, lots of good content to rewatch. And if you're not in the USA and you want to watch a game after it's been shown live, uh, it looks like they'll be up either on NWLSoccer.com or via Twitch. Um, I'll, I'll know more about that probably next week. Um, Hope everyone's going to watch. Should be a great tournament. And I know it might sound annoying to pick up another streaming service if you weren't already subscribed to CBS All Access, but Paramount Plus is ridiculously cheap, offers a lot of content, and you know this is the, the streaming service that is going to have more and more Champions League and other soccer coverage as time goes on, including Women's Champions League. So keep that in mind. Alright, Jen Cooper the Keeper here with Jacob Cristobal from Sounder at Heart, Pacific Northwest, of course. OL Rain, Seattle Rain, Rain FC. We need to come up with a nickname for all the names that have been Rain FC Jacob.
2: Uh, you're putting <laughs> me on the spot here. So um... Okay, I'll come up with
0: a nickname, nickname oh, later. because yeah. um, yeah. the nice thing is like I mean, at least in our soccer world, you can just say rain, right? And we know what everyone means. But if, yeah. if you peek outside of the soccer world, you notice that there are other sports that use, you know, R E I G N as a club name. And it's like, no, no, that's NW Cell Rain. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Yep. So interesting year, I think, for the rain. We've got second year for Fareed Ben yep. Um, We've got what will hopefully be a much more normal year compared Mm -hmm. to last year. Um, I really felt for Farid during challenge cup, you know, we only saw one goal from the rain in in that period, but that one goal, like when Bethany Balser scored, he didn't celebrate with everybody else. It looked like he just like collapsed in relief into his assistant coach's arms. It's like, when Mm -hmm. you think about it, you're new to the league, you're new to the country, you're new to these players. You don't get a preseason. <laughs> you're in a yep. bubble. You know it's like, and then it all comes together, and you get that game winner. What like in the 89th minute? It was mm-hmm. that, that. was kind of fun to watch. And we saw a lot of progress in in the fall series, even with a, a fair number of players, you know, out, out on loan. So I'm really curious as to how OL Rain is going to look in this challenge cup and, and in the 2021 season. So general thoughts for me. I mean, of course I know, you know, you guys haven't been able to be right on the sideline watching, going to practices, right. We're, we're still in a very COVID world. So yeah, you know, a lot of this is just based on gut feeling.
2: Yeah. Um, my gut feeling uh, from what we know in terms of just talking to the players that have been, uh, been gracious enough to give us time to talk with them through as they prepare for, uh, this still pretty long, uh, preseason training camp is there, yeah, everyone is just, uh, very optimistic and seems like they've been able to carry over the momentum from the progress they made in the fall series. And, um, they kind of have like this quiet confidence about, um, kind of like telling everybody else, like, don't sleep on us in terms of, uh, what sort of noise they might be able to do at the challenge cup. And then uh, with the return of a full regular season.
0: Yeah. It's, it's a whole new landscape, right? And and it's yeah. cliche to say that when last year was a whole new landscape, but you know, I, I, I keep saying it, but it's, it's because I believe it. I'm so glad to see the league embrace challenge cup. And, and I think this year using it as kind of a ramp up to the regular season makes a lot of sense where you still mm-hmm. have a lot of travel restrictions and issues like, you know, even when the national teamers come back from that early April FIFA window, right? They can't come back as quickly as they would have been able to in the past, yeah. right? So let's talk about some of, you know, the, the roster changes uh, for for the rain compared to last season. I mean, one, picking up Ali Watt, from, from North Carolina um, sending I know it wasn't necessarily the same uh, transaction but also you know sending Casey Murphy to North, North Carolina but what does the team get in Allie Watt
2: um, if everything goes well with her recovery from her ACL tear um, which from from all accounts and even from when, when we had her on our podcast uh, about a month Ago, it sounds like everything is going pretty well, and according to schedule, um, but when she returns to the field, uh, it's probably going to be another explosive uh, forward and attacking option for them. Uh, obviously, we know Megan Rapinoe um, is on the back end of her, her career, but you know, you so you're going to need another uh, attacking option to complement someone like Bethany Balser, and then also Zara King if she continues to ascend from her very promising uh, ca- uh, rookie appearance in uh, the Challenge Cup last year.
0: Yeah, and then another you know first round draft pick from from last year also acquired uh, via trade. I, th- I think both of them spell a lot of future potential. For the rain mm-hmm. and Bethany Balser herself is still, you know, this will just be her third professional year. And then you've got Sophia Huerta and Amber Brooks, who the rain picked up from Houston in the trade that sent mm-hmm. Shake Groom and Megan Oyster to to the Dash. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you know we'll see more from them because they will have had a lot more time to settle in. Right here, here are two NWSL veterans that should be starters contributors to wherever they go. And you know we just didn't get to see a lot from from the Rain and Challenge Cup, but I feel like in the fall yeah. series you, you you could see it all starting to gel right so i I expect a lot from from Sofia Huerta whether she's up top you know wide however, uh Farid Benstiiti uses her um also curious to see how you know she can work more with. Nicole Momiki, um,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, and and then the new players, you know, some new internationals, obviously, you know, they picked up Shirley Cruz last year, but also picking up uh, Angelina from from Brazil, yeah. who has not been capped yet by the senior team, but is clearly, you know, part of Brazil's future. You know, yeah. and then the the signing, of course, yeah. I should back up a little. It seemed like Rain lost like all their goalkeepers all of a sudden, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like Beato's picked up in the expansion draft. Um, Murphy traded to um, North Carolina, so they signed Cosette Morche, who would play for Texas AM. and um, You know that that was a great signing. Uh, you know, signed Ella Diederich, who had been, I, I'm assuming was a preseason trialist. I think I remember her name yeah. from the fall. Um, mm-hmm. but then signing Karen Bardsley, which I thought was really cool. You know, Bardsley, an American whose parents are English, so she's played long time for the English national team. She even played mm-hmm. in WPS, right? So all these all these players know her, but it's alone. Uh so it's basically covering you know, covering the rain through June 30th, right? She's on loan mm-hmm. from Manchester City. So, I mean, what we know is that, you know, the club has said, yeah, we're going to sign a couple of players from Olympic Lyon, you know, from the, the home club uh, mm-hmm. in Lyon. So, you know, you got to think that one of those is a keeper and it is the worst keep, worst kept secret in, in soccer. So for those listeners that if you're not sure what we're talking about, I just do a little Googling. Um, but yeah. some long, long-awaited um additions, international additions to the rain roster.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the, the the curious case of the goalkeeping situation for rain is uh definitely fascinating. Um but like you said, I mean who they have now at the moment is you know, so, some solid talent to carry them into Challenge Cup and then also to brace for whomever joins the team later uh post-Challenge Cup in, in uh, preparation for the return of the f- uh, full regular season. Um, Marseille also uh, played in Sweden after her, her time at Texas A&M was up. So right. she has some uh, professional club-level experience that I feel like you know, it was just so invaluable to her. Like she probably learned and developed so much more than she could ever had she been drafted to an NWL team and just sat the bench. She, um,
0: yeah, she got some real playing time, right?
2: Yeah, and the team are also pretty high on her in terms of like her development into being, you know, a first choice goalkeeper for the future of the club. So it feels like there's not a whole lot of pressure for her to. Start right away, get whatever minute she can in the Challenge Cup, and then you know, just ball on, become you know, and play and just play uh, on her head. So I feel like there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, room for her to, you know, learn from somebody like Karen Bardsley, and then yes, have that's her a really and, good point. and Ella Dideric, you know, uh, just soak up knowledge from her um, in terms of goalkeeping, but also just advice advice off the field. If there's one thing that uh, I think um, most Rainvans will be will be confident in saying and agreeing upon is like they never seem to rush anybody, whether if it is somebody who has a high uh, ceiling in terms of development, or if they are somebody coming off a pretty serious injury, like Ali Watt, uh, as we discussed earlier. Like they're not expecting her to suit up uh, this season. She's more; it's more likely she's going to return to the field for next season. But again, they're not rushing, you know, they don't want to rush, obviously, somebody with a serious injury like that. So they don't, They have historically never seemed to rush anybody, even in terms of on the field development, in terms of, um, we're going to throw you out there, throw you to the wolves, to the fire, and, you know, sink or swim. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and I think we've all learned the hard way as fans that you just can't throw somebody in to this league, especially yeah. as it's gotten, you know, more and more competitive each year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you got to have that transition. And that's one of the reasons I think the challenge cup, especially because there hasn't been as much preseason action for some clubs. It's invaluable to have as prep for the regular season. And I also look at um, all the loans from last fall. And how, you know, that's got to help growth for a lot of players. I, I think about Lauren Barnes, who is one of the few players who has played every season of NWSL and with the same mm-hmm. club, right? And she's still a starter. Um, yeah. She, you know, spent the fall in, in, in Sweden. Um, you know, that's got to be huge. I, I would guess that that would kind of refresh her her motivation and her love of the game and, you know, probably improve her games in ways that people wouldn't expect. Right. You know, or it's like, Oh, this is a veteran, but it's like, Hey, just a different situation, different kind of playing, maybe uh, playing against players that you maybe don't know so well, you know, and, and I would think the same for Quinn also going to Sweden, Jess Fishlock, you know, the loan playing with Redding, uh, you know, Celia getting the time with Leon, um, mm-hmm. Michaela George, you know, one of your younger players, th- you know, I would think that experience going over to Denmark, you yeah. know, w- w- would be huge. So it's all like, how can, how can Freed Ben come, you know, come into the second season taking everybody's varied experience and, and put something together. So, you know, what is your sense of how the the club is gelling? Um, now that, you know, so, so Freed's been in charge, Little over a year, right? I mean, mm-hmm. been there and kind of in charge of things. And I know it's not something you've been able to see up front necessarily, but do you feel that like he's taking the club in his direction? You know, what I'm saying that that it's like we're past the oh my gosh, I just need to get a, a, a team on the field for Challenge Cup. To here's here's my vision.
2: Yeah, um, I think for a team that has this many. Uh, not just league veterans, but like you said, Lauren Barnes, Jess Fishlock, Megan Rupino—you know, these are all uh, Reign originals. They've been here since the first uh, season right. of play. And I feel like their uh, stature within the club, but then also players like you said, uh, Sophia Huerta and Amber Brooks, um, who have been around the league, you know, for a long time. A few, uh, basically, seems like they have a new. Uh, lease on just playing uh, just a game of soccer. They, they seem rejuvenated having uh, come uh, to the team last year. Obviously, with Amber Brooks, is her second stint with uh, the rain. But um, I just think for a team that has this many veterans, but also is still very much uh, going all in more with the youth movement based on some of the players that you just met, the younger players that you just mentioned, I just feel like they're all they're all in on uh, Fareed's vision and program for the club in a way that like, if there was any sort of doubt or hesitation about him, he probably wouldn't have uh, been hired in the first place, let alone, uh, you know, lasted throughout last year. However, you know, as, as truncated as uh, you can, uh, your season can be right. playing on, only playing nine games. <laughs>
0: Well, and when I look at the rain roster, you know, not counting any of the preseason trialists, of course, who are, you know, unsigned or Miranda Nild who's signed, but on loan, you know, Mm -hmm. or Karen Bardsley, who we know her loan ends June 30th. There's still 26 signed players, Um, you know, so there's, there's gotta be at some point, some cuts, some trades, Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a pretty deep roster. Of course, anybody who's on, if you're on the 45-day disabled list, you wouldn't count towards a spot. So who knows where, you know, Ali Watt is, um, also mm-hmm. Kelsey Hedge, who who got hurt right as Challenge Cup was beginning. Um, yeah. I mean, I look at these names, and it, it's such a long list, and, and they're so talented. And I'm just like... Does Farid have the magic touch to to get the best chemistry out of this group, right? Like mm-hmm. I, and and I'm so looking forward to having extended periods of soccer where we can see coaches, you know, work work, work their magic because like you mentioned there was just, you know, a little short burst mm-hmm. last summer for Challenge Cup and then just four games that were kind of spread out. And you think of the other obstacles that the club was dealing with in terms of the atmosphere conditions um <laughs> you know that they, they meant what like I think what there was a game that got pushed back twice I think or is that the Portland game or that there's a lot like the portland game got pushed back and then it was hard to find places to practice and mm-hmm. Just like okay, what other obstacles can you throw at us?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, a rain a, a rain match playing on uh, under the backdrop of wildfire smoke, unfortunately, is not something new for this team. Unfortunately, uh, not. Ha- yeah, ha- I, I yeah, yeah, I was at that one. Yeah, I think you and I uh, had had a one uh, fun evening uh, of <laughs> trying to trying to cover a game under such conditions like that. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting in terms of how Fareed um, can work his magic with obviously a talented and very deep squad. And that's one thing that we've heard from some of the players where they actually like the fact that this preseason training period has been so long. I mean, they, they are getting antsy in terms of like they just want to play these competitive games against their NWCL counterparts. I mean, you know, no, no disrespect to preseason scrimmages against uh, college teams, but it's like you can only. I can only imagine you can only test your skill set so far against uh, uh, scrimmages, against college teams. So they are getting a little bit antsy of like, can we start Challenge Cup now? But they've also enjoyed how long this training camp has been because they said it's given them a lot more time to work on a lot of smaller things that they probably would have just breezed over under a normal training camp uh, window where it's like, okay, you gather in you know, mid-January, then like three weeks, you, you know, you start your preseason tour, then here comes the season. So they are enjoying uh, um, the basically two, almost three months of uh, preseason training camp. And like, I remember we were all thinking like, that is a very long uh, training camp window. But yeah. it seems to be yeah. that they're able to cover a lot more things that um, tactically and, and technical stuff on the field that they probably would not have been able to... Um, and do so under normal circumstances, so it feels like they're they're, they're going to be a lot more sharper um, with uh, the little nuances of each division and game plan.
0: Yeah, I would think uh, for most coaches, they'd be like, "Great, I get them more time." Because yeah, I, I think mm-hmm. back to you know the early seasons of NWSL where it's only running mid-April to mid-August for the regular season with a pretty short run-up, right, and and pretty compressed yeah. schedule, so you don't even have a lot of time. Between games to maybe tweak things you know and and I also look at the rain strategy they've done an amazing job of being able to find players who don't need uh, a p one visa to play in the u s a so international players mm-hmm. that don't require an international slot, basically, you know or like you know Karen bardsley her parents are American. Our parents are English. She's American, but you know, so yeah, she's played for the national team, but she doesn't need a work permit to work here. Mm -hmm. Jess Fishlock has been here so long, (laughs) you know, she's gotten a green card. There's more players like that getting a green card, but also from an Olympic perspective, you won't be losing a lot of players who have international experience, you know, Mm -hmm. um, Like Sofia Huerta has played for both the USA and Mexico senior national team, right? Steph Cox, Mm -hmm. the unretired, amazing Steph Cox, um, you know, Mm -hmm. had 89 caps with the U.S. national team. You know, Um, like we talked about with Angelina, you know, Brazilian, but she's not part of their senior team yet. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. Shirley Cruz, amazing Resume from Shirley Cruz, Costa Rica, not going to the Olympics. You know Wales, Jess Fishlock, not going to the Olympics. So even though mm. it's such a strong international roster, I feel like Rain has been really smart about, hey, how many people are we actually going to lose?
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's clearly something that's been uh, at the forefront of um, how Bill Predmore is basically construct this roster from uh day one. Uh it's uh cl- it's clear that um they're not reliant on having to have like the US national team stars be the focal point of uh their foundation and that you can still keep the team humming along the machine going. But of course, you know who's gonna turn who's gonna turn down, you know, the the flair and the, the fun, entertaining things that like Megan Rapino can do on
0: yeah. Yeah. I mean, do you ever think about like, Hey, wouldn't it be nice once she just decided to retire from international play that she just plays club for a while and just, you know, gives the rain as many minutes as possible. I know this is, you know, a little bit far fetched, but that's what I think about. Like I feel that NWSL has evolved enough where, you know, we might get to that point where when a player retires, maybe she retires from playing for the national team. Right but mm-hmm. she still plays a few more seasons uh, with club.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. It does feel like we we're getting close to that, where there are some situations like that, where some clubs can enjoy let's, you know, somebody retiring from the national team, but still has plenty uh, left in the tank to do uh, one or two more full seasons with their club.
0: Yeah, well, and just not left in the tank, but I, but I think it's it's a culture shift, right? Is that because for any of the longtime national teamers, club, you know, out of necessity was an afterthought, right? That mm. uh, for the bulk of their careers, there was only the national team, right? So, and there wasn't necessarily a club that could be a home. And I think we've turned that corner. That uh, you know, not just with the age of the league, but with expansion and more you know, cities clamoring to come in that, you know, those, those players with incredible international backgrounds know that they can decide where they finish their career on a club level. You know, I think of like, say, Clint Dempsey coming back. Uh, to the States, right? And he got to pick. He really got to pick, <laughs> you know, where he was going to finish his club play. Or, you know, again, Seattle, Casey Keller going, all right, I've spent my entire club career internationally because when I started, there wasn't MLS. But now I can mm-hmm. come to my hometown and, you know, retire. So, well, last thing, Jacob, what are your thoughts on the group of opponents that the Reign are going to go up against in the cup. So uh, as I was joking with Caitlin best, it's not so much an East West group as, as, as it is an Eastern seaboard and everyone else Mm -hmm. kind of grouping. And I do like that. It separates Kansas city and Louisville, not that Kansas city is truly an expansion team, but you know, moving cities once again, that, that that, that's a fair amount of upheaval and new coaching staff and, and all that stuff. So I like that Kansas city and Louisville are, are in separate groups. I like that Mm -hmm. it's not the exact same groups as what we had with the fall series, where it's three groups of three teams each though. You do have some repeating matchups. Of course, you know, why would you ever take away a Portland Thorns, OL rain matchup? Right. (laughs) (laughs) So, so for the rain, they kick off um, their first game will be uh, against Houston. They get an extra week before challenge cup starts because since it's two groups of five teams, everybody's got, you know, there's one team out on every, every match day. So Mm -hmm. the rain will host Houston. Then they go to Portland. uh, And then they get to host Chicago and then wrap it up with their, their last game Monday, May 3rd, they will be at Kansas city. So thoughts on those group of opponents in that order of games.
2: Um. My initial, my gut reaction when I saw the schedule is like, yep, that's, that sounds about right for the chaotic energy that is the NWSL. (laughs) Uh, I mean, it's, it's just going to be fun overall, just to see, uh, see everybody playing against each other again. uh, Obviously their campaign starting off uh, against the defending NWSL Challenge Cup champions and Houston Dash. Um, I just don't see how Houston wouldn't be continuing along uh with you know the performance that they did at the challenge club of if we finally got to see uh the fruits of the labor of of um what James Clarkson has invested in terms of rebuilding that uh rebuilding a, a team and program from the uh you know from where they once were so it's that's gonna be a a nice test for oil rain to really see, okay, has everything that we were building on from last year towards the very end of the fall series, carrying it over into this long training camp, how everything seems to be working so well for us. That is a, you know, as good as a test you can get in terms of, okay, let's see if it's all, if it is working, if it all can, uh, uh, play out on the field as we've drawn it up and talked about it through meetings, video sessions, all that stuff. And then, um, if that test, if they pass that test and they get to test it against their old, uh, old familiar friends, uh, the Portland Thorns, uh, right, right away. Um, I, I think that's a nice opening slate for them to really see where are they in terms of, you know, implementing Fareed's style and vision, and then having a test going up, going up against their, uh, league counterparts.
0: Well, and I always feel like the second season for our new coach is what really shows us what his vision on the field is. And, mm-hmm. you know, and if he's starting to have a success or not, because anyone that comes in as late as James Clarkson did for 2019, he was, you know, hired right before Christmas, 2018, or for Reed mm-hmm. who was, you know, hired that January before the season starts. Like there's only so much change you can make before things get underway. And you just have to focus on the season at hand. Right. And yeah. then of course, you know, Farid had the, the extra bottleneck of, Oh, you know, we can't do any player moves because of COVID and now we have mm-hmm. this tournament and, and that kind of thing. So I, I feel like with a slightly more normal off season and, you know, having had those, those two short tournaments under his belt, what we'll see from the rain this year will probably be much more of like, this is the Ben Steady style, whatever that style is.
2: Yeah. And in, in a way you can look at it as like this year, while technically it is his second year at the helm, it's like, this is really his first true year of coaching and, you know, seeing, how, you know, his accomplished resume being put to the test against the NWSL. I mean nine games last season is just really such a small sample size to really assess and, and not even it. in the
0: same stretch of time, right? So it was yeah. like five games in July and four games September, October. So yeah, whole different mm-hmm. ball game literally, you know, for Fareed Vensteady this time around. Um and yeah. a, but a lot of returning faces with some interesting new faces for the rain and some other new faces, TBA. So we'll all be yeah. looking to you, Jacob, as soon as uh, there's an announcement who those, those new faces are.
2: <laughs> right. And as, and as exciting as it is to, we to hopefully see what he can do with this team. And, you know, under the, you know, what we just said, like, yeah, they've only played nine games last season. It's like, there still is like very, very little room for error in terms of like, okay, you know, can he afford to lose some games? Yes, but it's not like um, he's getting like a super long leash in terms of that. It's still going to be a bottom line results from like he has to win. He has to, you know, hopefully uh, uh, qualify for uh, the playoffs in the regular season, make some noise there. So it's still going to be a case of like, you know, you you did you did all these great things in Lyon, but you know you're you're in a completely different new world now so let's see what you got
0: well jacob thank you so much for taking the time to get me caught up with ol rain and i look forward to them kicking off on april 16th against the dash
2: yeah same here it was always good chatting with you
0: to wrap it up with the back four. First and foremost, Challenge Cup kicks off Friday, April 9th. We have 10 teams, two groups of five. You play everybody in your group once and you have to win your group to meet in the Challenge Cup Final on Saturday, May 8th, which will air live on CBS. So, of course, you need to warm up for this Challenge Cup and for the 2021 NWL season with the Keeper Notes NWSL Almanac. It's more than 370 pages of comprehensive statistics and game notes for every season of the league. You can order it in print or PDF or both. Just head to KeeperNotes.com and click on NWSL Almanacs. And we are about to start uh, an international window for women's soccer, meaning the international players will miss the beginning of Challenge Cup. But that means we've got games for USA, Canada, England, Sweden, Japan, France, etc. I'm listing as many as I can on the KeeperNotes Women's Soccer Google Calendar And I also highly recommend checking out LiveSoccerTV.com as we get closer to game dates to see if the game you want to watch is showing in your country, and if so, what channel. Uh, that, That site does a really good job of showing by country who the broadcaster is. And during this upcoming FIFA window, the final two teams for the women's soccer tournament at the Tokyo Olympics will be determined. We have 10 teams already set. We just need two more. And then the Olympic draw will be April 21st. On that day, FIFA will draw the 12 teams into three groups of four teams each. You can check out FIFA.com for more info. Uh, They'll probably stream that draw live. Um, And the big rule to remember is that they will organize the teams based on ranking the rankings that will come out right before the draw um, so that they're drawn into pots that are pretty fair and you cannot be in the same group with a, a team from your confederation so usa and canada cannot end up in the same group sweden netherlands england or rather team gb they can't be in the same group so like I said, check out fifa.com for more information and last for the back four. We now know the host cities for the women's world cup set for Australia, and New Zealand in 2023, the full schedule of which games will be in which city is still to come. But we now know that the opening game will be played in Auckland and the final will be played in Sydney. So start saving up your pennies now for an amazing trip down under and to, uh, I don't know what, what Lord of the Rings reference can I make? I don't know. I, I you fill in your, fill in the blank. your own on Lord of the Rings reference for, uh, traveling to New Zealand. All right. That's it for this episode of the Mixed Zone Women's Soccer Podcast. Big thanks to Roughneck Scars and IcarusFC.com for their support of this podcast. If you need more than just a cookie cutter Nike Adidas uniform for your rec team or your kids team or whatever, check out IcarusFC.com. And also my producer Sean Ringrose, you should check out his podcast at anchor.fm slash genorange. And that's Jen as in Generation. So it's G-E-N-Orange podcast about Houston Dynamo and also Houston Dash. So big thanks to Sean and many thanks to the beautiful game network for making this podcast possible.
2: But now she's everybody's good.